Hey, everybody. Welcome to I Said Goddamn. Currently, Stacy is sitting here drinking a lot of coffee out of a that's methed up mug <laughs> while Aaron changes into some shorts. It's real hot. Goddamn! And now she's back. I have changed. She is wearing shorts. When I used to tell, like, say... I'm going to go change or whatever to my fucking family. My dad would always go, no, never change. Oh, God. We like you the way you are. (laughs) Fucking hashtag dad joke. Every dad. I think that's why I love dad jokes. Aw, that's a sweet spin on them. Yeah. I'm sitting happy. I know. I'm sitting over here like, God, they're so annoying. Because Lee hits me with them all the time. Yeah. But you're like, that reminds me of my dad. Yeah. Aw. I never get it anymore. Just from my dad. And I'm like, that's a great pun, dad. Solid work back there. <laughs> we bond over it. It's good. Aw, that's precious. Yeah, what can I say? Well, welcome, everybody, to episode 74, apparently. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, we just recorded 73, like, two seconds ago, so 74 sounds like such an accomplishment. <laughs> it really does. Also, if you can tell that my voice sounds exactly the same, and we are both still hungover. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still here. But we've had a lot more coffee in us, and we just banged out one whole episode. That's true. So, I feel a lot better now, actually. Oh, we're, like, all spunky and, you know, ready to rock. Yeah, It's just when I stand, it gets a little iffy. Feel a little like the world shifts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm sitting right now, so we're cool. This is totally fine. Yeah, everything's great. Just don't shake your head too fast. Yeah, exactly. Don't give me whiplash with like a, what? He did what? (laughs) We just went and got some coffee, like a little refill of coffee, and I stood up and I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) vomit. This is not great. (laughs) So sorry about episode 73 where we sound like we're dead. Yeah. All right, Stacey, you have a goddamn for me? I do. All right, this shit pisses me off so fucking hard. Oh shit, you you just got real. Okay, this Your face is like got real, real. fucking blood boiling bullshit over here. Oh, especially happened? because also you're goddamn. But I'm gonna go ahead and assume it isn't this one because you didn't use it on seventy three. Mm-hmm. But your fucking Mac broke on us. It didn't break. It the iOS update fucking pushed Fuck. or whatever, yeah. and then all of a sudden the thing that we record in was no longer compatible. Yeah. So we spent an entire fucking night trying to record but not even able to like get mics to pick up we had to pick a different fucking program it was a goddamn nightmare couldn't even get the fucking program to open this is my rant yep it's fucking apple ios updates Mm -hmm. are some bullshit yep and i didn't even think about the fact that we just went through this on your mac but on my fucking phone the ios update pushed oh no and every time i plug my phone into my car now to charge it yeah when i'm driving motherfucking YouTube starts playing. Oh, you know how did it, that. Oh, it automatically downloads the album. Yeah. Do you know how many motherfucking times I have deleted that goddamn album yeah. from my iTunes? Oh, my God. And every time, every fucking time, it's it the re-downloads. Worst. Why? Even sometimes before it updates, it just shows up again. And I'm like, I fucking deleted you, you motherfucker. Yeah. No, <laughs> I used to get, I would get in my car and it would just start playing because it was yes. Bluetooth. Yes. And if I had my car being like, hey, hook up to my phone because you listen to podcasts or whatever the fuck I listen to, uh-huh. right? It would just start playing YouTube. It would instantly piss me off. Like, oh, I hate super YouTube bad mood. because of it. Fuck me you, Bono. Too. Me too. I never fuck had anything you. against them. Oh, uh-huh. me either. I didn't particularly love them, but no. also it's just like, oh, yeah, you too, Bono, got it, woo, yeah. fucking leather. Great, don't care, but yeah. I don't hate them oh, now. Fucking active em. hatred. Also, their songs, not great. The no. ones that they no. fucking downloaded onto every goddamn 
person's phone multiple yeah. times. So I'm sure their download numbers are very impressive. Well, it, fuck like it's you. all fake, though. Oh, it's stupid. It's a forced download. And why? That's stupid. Why? Who fucking loves YouTube so much that they're like, everybody needs to have YouTube? One of my mother-in-laws. Ugh. She's like, she'll she'll go to their concerts and stuff. And I was like, Wait, I, you said one of your mother-in-laws. <laughs> I have two. How? Oh, Brian's I'm mom dumb. and his stepmom. <laughs> I legit blew my mind for a minute. Oh my god, I'm so dumb. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm sorry I'm so dumb. It's okay. So one of my mother-in-laws fucking obsessed with you two. Ugh. Yeah. Hate it. She probably loves it. But I don't think she has an iPhone. She's all Android, so it doesn't even fucking benefit the one person in this world that it would. Listen, if you're going to play U2 instantly in my fucking car, at least make it a song I know or recognize, like one of their famous ones, not their stupid lame-ass album that nobody likes, so they downloaded it. Queen. Yeah. Oh. If I got my car and every time Bohemian Rhapsody started to kick up or somebody to love, I'd fucking be pumped. Pump me up for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Eagles. Fucking anything. Anything else. Journey. Like anything. Who chose you two? I have no idea, but I fucking hate it. It literally boils my goddamn blood. I know. And I feel so, that. you know, my goddamn is my phone updated and I'm dealing with that shit again. I just deleted it though. So, like, on my way to your house, because I was like, motherfucker! Because <laughs> like, you always forget about it. Like, it happens, you're pissed. Yeah. You turn it off and then you get out of your car later and you don't remember to go delete you two. Yeah, yeah. It's <sighs> out of your head. Oh my God. Well, goddamn. I'm literally mad again all over. <laughs> so I'll let you know when it redownloads because that'll be my goddamn again. <laughs> Fuck you, Apple. Yeah. I can know. you just delete YouTube? If anybody out there in Apple developer land is listening, can you just delete YouTube from can, the next? Yeah. Fucking fuck up the code. That, put that in the next board meeting. Yeah. Nobody wants this. Spell you with like Y-O-U in the code and fuck it up so that it'll crash and we don't have YouTube anymore. Yeah. Yes. Fuck. God. Literally any other song and I'd be cool. Yeah. I hope somebody out there is like, preach. I feel you. Yeah. And then they like they literally just listen to YouTube right before listening to this. Because <laughs> they had to it's change it. Like, yeah. Fucking yeah. YouTube. Yeah. <sighs> if that just happened to you, I feel you. Sorry that you're going through that. Yeah. All right, Aaron, <laughs> give me your goddamn. Well, my goddamn is that I was sitting in my living room and just having a fucking pleasant Saturday morning, right? And <laughs> yeah. My cat, who's like, I don't know, 11 years old or something, he's obese and I love him, but <laughs> he fucking hacks up nothing most of the time. Like, he just does the hacking. Yeah. That's a cat. Nothing will get you fucking up faster than a cat starting to vomit. Though. Yeah. They're like body arching and you're like, no, not yeah. that. Puke on the towel. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Like, put this bag under you and then they move away from the bag. Like, fuck you. What are you doing? As they're like, huh, 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 and yes. like, just turn in their body and you're like, no. Well, he started doing that. His name's Goose, by the way, just so everyone is aware. By the way, Goose is 11. Yeah, he's old as shit. I remember when you got him. I know. Mind-blowing. Yeah. My little man, he's getting old. Yeah. But he was fucking, he started hacking up a lung, and I was like, no! And I got him, and I actually picked him up, took him outside and onto the balcony, Uh because, like, the door happened to be open, and I fucking got him out there, and I was so excited, because... I never make it. Yeah, like, fucking an achievement just unlocked. Yes, <laughs> You got a exactly. cat outside before it puked. Yeah, and he threw up out there and I was like, fucking crushed it. I even turned around to my husband, like pumped. I was happy. I was like, oh my God, I got him outside. Like, that's never <laughs> happened. My husband was like, great. Like, good job. <laughs> fucking, you picked up a cat. <laughs> You're like, wait, did you see this? And I'm like, no, no, no. He was still like doing the hacking thing in my arms, you know? Like, yeah. Usually <laughs> that. That's it. Like, yeah. you fucking on the carpet or whatever. And so I was all fucking pumped on it. And I 
you know, he threw up outside. Great. I walked back inside and then he walked back inside and then immediately threw up on my carpet. Oh. I was like, you motherfucker. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Your achievement got taken away. Yeah. And it, like right in front of me, I was like, isn't that so awesome, Brandon? Like I fucking got him outside. <laughs> and he was like, way to go. And then Goose walks right back in like, Bleh. this is where I'm meant to <laughs> by be. By your feet. Fucking That's some shit out of like family guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> little asshole like how'd you have anything left oh my god that's awesome yeah so funny my little man little dick yep i love him well shit all right you ready for my murder story yeah all right well i've got a motherfucking doozy for you today all right let's give me the doozy okay this is about mark james kilroy who was born march 5th 1968 in chicago illinois Oh, okay. He had a brother named Keith, and the family moved to Texas when he was born, so he grew up in Santa Fe. All right. He was raised Catholic, and he and his family frequently attended church. Mark did really well in school and sports. He played baseball, basketball, and golf in high school, and was actually ranked in the top 15 in his class. Damn. He was number 14. So. <laughs> you know when Just for like, the record. <laughs> you know when they're like, oh my god, you're in top nine. You know what spot you are. Yeah. You're nine. <laughs> No one says top nine. That's true. So I wanted to say top 15. Got it. Because he's 14. (laughs) Either way, smart kid, fucking excelling in sports, athletic kid, good kid, right? Crushing it in life. He was accepted to Southwest Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, and he went there for a bit before transferring to Tarleton State University. Oh, I don't know where that is. Stephenville. Oh. (laughs) I like how somebody lived there named Stephen and he got a Ville. Yeah, right? (laughs) They're like... Oh, uh, what should we call this town? Like, I don't know, man. Steven lives there. <laughs> I'm going right. to Stevenville. Stevenville. <laughs> okay, so he went to Tarleton State University on a basketball scholarship. Oh, go you. So then he joined a frat and quit basketball and transferred to University of Texas at Austin, and he started pre-med. So All right. Just Dang. fucking crushing it, right? And he's a frat Yeah, kid. Yeah. Boy. So for spring break in 1989, he and his friends decided to go to South Padre Island, which I had never heard of. But yeah. <laughs> apparently, it's a spring break destination. Oh, okay. At least it was. Alrighty. It probably still is. And an island. Yeah. That sounds fun. Right? On March 10th, 1989, Mark's friend Bradley Moore drove from Texas A&M to pick up Mark. And then the two of them went to Santa Fe to pick up Bill Huddleston and Brent Martin. So it's going to be these four guys going on a goddamn road trip down to South Padre Island. Road trip! Hell yeah. It was a nine-hour drive, and they got there just before midnight. And then the boys checked in at the Sheraton Hotel and started fucking partying it up, right? Hold up. These four college kids are staying at a Sheraton? I guess. Bitch, you rich. It's probably one room. Yeah, but still. Like three of them on the floor. Like a Motel (laughs) 6. I know, right? (laughs) But we stayed in some shady fucking places. Yeah, we we were very poor then. (laughs) Yeah. Also, on South Padre Island, there's probably only like nicer hotels. Yeah, that's true. I mean... They've got to have, like, that one shady one by the beach, though. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, literally a motel. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can rent it by the hour. Like, the door doesn't really shut all the way. Yes. <laughs> well, they weren't there. They were like, let's do this right. We want to be safe, right? Yeah. They classy. Since it was spring break, there were thousands of students arriving to this island, and it was, like, a constant party. I guess there were beer sponsors that were holding, like, movie nights and concerts and Oh, my God, that simulators. sounds so fun. Yeah, it just sounds like a fucking, like, you know when you go to Vegas and they're like, yeah, we have an event over here, and you're like, I want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to go over there and get my free sunnies. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, what this whole place was, and so they're oh, having man. a fucking good time. There were TV crews there that were filming people for commercials and stuff. 
You know what I was thinking when you said like spring break on an island? I was thinking of MTV spring break. Yeah. How like every commercial break they they would be like, you know, have somebody up on stage and be like, hey, thank you for watching MTV spring break. And everybody's like, wow, and like throw beach balls around yep. them. That's fucking what the shit was. Oh, I want to go there. Yeah. They went there and they were having a good ass time. All right. So the sponsors also allowed students to make free phone calls home because 1989, you got don't it. have cell phones. They're yeah. like, hey, man, this is that long distance. Get over here. Yeah. Mark and Bradley both used that service, and they called home. Just a little checking in. Fun fact, yeah. Mm-hmm. The boys developed a routine where they would wake up, go to the beach, get lunch, and then after lunch, they would go to the beach behind their hotel for a daily Miss Tanline contest. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Girl. I want this life. Fucking right. I want this vacation. I mean, it's only a week, but it sounds like fun. I'll take it. Yeah. And then they would take a nap or... Oh, my God. I want this life. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good. I just want to sleep. I'll take just the nap. Yeah. Or they would head back to the beach and then they would plan their night. And generally that consisted of going out, clubbing, partying, whatever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they liked to do at night was go to Matamoros, Mexico and go to clubs there because I guess it was like... Uh, South Padre Island was like right on the fucking border. It was okay. like pretty close. Yeah. And so then they just hop the border, go party in Mexico, and then go back to their hotel. Yeah. All right. One day they planned to go to Mexico and they stopped at a Sonic in Port Isabel and they met a group of girls from the University of Kansas who were also heading to Mexico to party. Ooh. Do you think they were going to Mexico to party because like drinking age is 21 and they weren't quite 21 and then drinking Ooh. age in Mexico is 18? Probably. So that's probably why they hopped the border all the time? Probably. That makes a lot of sense. I'm guessing. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So you just like have fun, hang out at the beach all day and then go get hammered at night. Yep. Where it's legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually is a very good point. That's probably exactly what it was. So these two groups teamed up, and the girls follow the guys in their car, and when they get to the U.S.-Mexico border, they would park their cars on the U.S. side and then cross by foot. Yeah. The two groups partied at a nightclub called Sergeant Peppers for most of the night, and then the boys headed back to South Padre Island in the early morning. So that was kind of their little routine, right? Got it. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. So then March 13th, the boys went to the Miss Tanline contest, you know, per use. Yeah. And then Mark met some of his former frat brothers at a party. And that night at 10.30 p.m., they decided to go to Mexico again. Okay. So they park at the border and they cross on foot. Mm-hmm. And it was well into spring break at this point. So there were a ton of people out with fucking the same idea. Everybody's going to Matamoros. It's packed with spring breakers. Okay. So Mark and his friends settled for a bar with the shortest line, basically. Smart. That's us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, does this one also have alcohol? Yeah. I'll go in there. <laughs> this one looks easier to navigate. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't look like I'm going to have to wait in a long-ass line at the bars. Just for a warm beer. Yes. And that bar was Los Sombreros. Ooh. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. So they have a few drinks, and then they head over to London Pub. Ooh. We're getting fancy in a pub. Uh Uh-huh. What up, B? What do you think a pub in Mexico is like? Apparently, it was super rowdy. Like, Really? Yeah. People were throwing beer from the balcony, and it was super fucking packed. And so the guys are just like, hey, man, let's have a good-ass time. It's Mexico, dude. I know, but, like, it's just weird. But, like, just because it's called a pub, they're like, whoa, we're going to fucking trash this place. (laughs) Right? Well, Mark met a couple of girls, and he separated from his friends for a little bit. And then at about 2 a.m., the friends decided it was time to head back to South Padre Island. So they went outside, and they saw Mark leaning against a car talking to a lady from the Miss Tanline contest. Ooh, get it, Mark. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really like those tanlines. <laughs> right? Like, I saw yours. You totally should have won. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for you. Yeah. 
I screamed so loud when you went up there. <laughs> so since there were a ton of people all crossing back over the border at about the same time, the guys were having trouble staying together in a big group, right? Mm-hmm. Like they kept getting separated. Yeah, so many people. So they split up and Bradley and Brent ended up going ahead. They were going to all meet up at Garcia's, which was a restaurant by the border. So they're going to meet up on the Mexico side and then all cross together, right? Got it. All right. Mark and Bill were a bit behind, and Mark took a minute to say bye to the Miss Tanline girl because he's like, let me get your digits, right? Yeah. Give me that number. "Mm Mm-hmm. Girl, can I get your number? And then when Bill caught up to him, they started walking together, and then Bill had to pee Uh because drunk. Yeah. (laughs) It's a thing. Yeah. So he Broke the seal. Yeah, exactly. So he goes down an alley, and Mark waits for him outside the alley. And when Bill was finished, Mark wasn't outside the alley anymore. Okay. And so he's like, well, he probably kept walking, like, whatever, got tired of waiting for me. Maybe it was a really long pee. Who knows? Yeah. Where the fuck is Mark? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'll catch up to him at Garcia's, though, right? Okay. No big deal. All right. So he makes his way to Garcia's, and he meets the other guys, but Mark's not there either. Yeah. So they look for him until pretty much everything was closed. Like, they were actually hunting for him. Like, where the fuck did Mark go? Yeah. And it was about 4.30 in the morning when they finally were like, well, maybe he's back at the car already. So they cross the border and they go to their car and Mark's not there either. Hmm. So they wait around for a bit before they're finally like, well, maybe he got a ride back to South Padre Island. Oh, shit. With his frat brothers or whatever, right? Yeah. So they go back to the hotel and he's not there either. So the next morning. good. Or that morning, I guess. Yeah. They call the police and they report him missing. Good. But... Police don't necessarily take it super seriously because the majority of missing persons during spring break turn up the next day or two with, like, a wicked hangover. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you rowdy kids. Exactly. Going to Mexico. He's drunk. Maybe he got Miss Tanline's number and is at her house or her fucking hotel or whatever. Like, he'll show up. Don't worry about it. Don't be stupid. Yeah. So he was actually one of 60 people that had gone missing in Matamoros just that year. It was only March. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. Oh, that's real dangerous. Yeah. Oh. So, fortunately for Mark, his uncle worked at the U.S. Customs Service in L.A. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hookups. Exactly. And when he heard about Mark being missing, he was able to persuade police to start, like, a task force in Brownsville, which is the border town on the U.S. side, Uh huh. to look for Mark. Oh, good. So the Mexican police were like, we'll totally help you. We're going to be super cooperative because we like people coming here to spend their money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's find Mark. Yeah. So theories went from him being a victim of possibly a drug deal gone wrong to him being mugged. But Uh basically everything at this point was pointing to foul play. Yeah. They're like, Mark's not just going to fucking take off. He disappeared. Yeah. He's not here. And now it's been like a fucking couple of days yeah miss tanline would have let him out now yeah yeah (laughs) so the police even commissioned a hypnotist to talk to mark's friends to see if maybe subconsciously they remembered something oh shit that's interesting right you talking to bill bill while you were taking that piss what was happening in your periphery? yeah do you remember hearing a yell or anything like did you hear a scuffle okay so while under hypnosis bradley said that he remembered seeing mark talking with a young hispanic man wearing a blue plaid shirt and had a obvious scar on his face that's a lot of fucking details that you just fucking don't remember unless yeah. you're under hypnosis yeah like yeah. what yeah that is a lot of details yeah i don't know a scar on his face okay yeah. all right 
So he actually also remembered the man asking Mark, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? Okay. So because of this, police started to believe that Mark had been kidnapped for robbery or ransom. So it's like a way for someone to be like, hey, man, do I know you? Like, come over here. Let's fucking Yeah, come here real quick. You look familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But since they hadn't gotten a call for ransom or anything yet, they believe that it was probably robbery. Okay. So police thought that he was probably already killed and dumped in a remote location. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, that's fucked up. And so they get helicopters and ATVs to look for him, Mm -hmm. but they don't find him. Wow. So Mark's parents go down to help with the investigation, and they handed out flyers and a $15,000 reward. They met with the attorney general, the governor, the senator. Damn. These people were fucking going hard. Like, fucking find my son. Yeah. This isn't cool, right? Yeah. Good. And the U.S. authorities believe that Mexican police were acting slowly through all of this, like Mm. saying that they're going to help, but kind of dragging their feet through the whole investigation. Yeah. So the U.S. started to speculate that the kidnappers might have people in the police force. All right. And on April 1st, 1989, at a checkpoint on the Mexican side of the border, a truck went through without stopping. Ooh. And they had crossed from Texas into Matamoros. Uh And the guy driving was named Serafin Hernandez Garcia. Uh The border agents decided that instead of pulling him over, they would, like, follow him and see where he was going. Okay. Are you allowed to just blow through those things? Like, what? No. That's shady. Or at least, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to fucking stop. (laughs) Uh, yeah. The Border Patrol agent people were following him in an unmarked vehicle, and they were led out to an isolated ranch where they pulled over before pulling in to check it out, like, Seraphin pulled into this place and they stopped instead of going in to like make it obvious that they're following him yeah yeah they stopped outside the ranch and just kind of like parked out there for a minute mm-hmm. and they waited and seraphin left again about 30 minutes later and then the police were like all right well maybe the ranch is empty let's go fucking check this shit out right? scope it out yeah yeah so they go into the ranch and they find marijuana and some evidence of cult paraphernalia cult paraphernalia in this instance that means like santeria or uh, witchcraft stuff yes i was just gonna say santeria yeah what is paraphernalia of santeria like shrunken skulls um yes <laughs> like fucking beheaded chickens yeah and actually one of the things is in nganga which okay. is like an african pot that they put all like the shit in to make their fucking spells or whatever like right? a cauldron yes exactly Ooh. So, instead of arresting Seraphin, they decide that they're going to try to gather more evidence against him and the cult that he might be operating in. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, police ask around locally about the ranch, and they find that there was a large group of guys who frequented it and may have been running an organized crime ring from it. Ooh, all right. And on April 9th, the police go back to the ranch and arrest Seraphin, his uncle Elio, and three other men. Oh, wow. Okay. Just for, like, the drugs or some shit? Yeah, and I guess, like, maybe there was other evidence of this crime ring, supposedly. Okay. So the three other guys that they arrest are David Valdez, Sergio Salinas, and Domingo Bustamante, who was the ranch caretaker. Alrighty. So police questioned another caretaker that was at the ranch, and he was shown a picture of Mark, and he admitted to having seen him there, (gasps) and he pointed to a shack on the property. Oh, shit it's about to get real oh shit so then police interrogate seraphin and he actually admitted to having been involved in mark's death (gasps) oh no he did oh yeah 
I mean, I could have guessed, but still. Yeah, yeah, you know. This is you confirming. This is me confirming. He also admits that many other people had actually been killed at that ranch as well. (gasps) Oh, no. And then he snitched on the leaders of the cult. Oh! He identified them as Adolfo Constanzo Mm -hmm. and Sarah Aldrete. Hmm. So Seraphin admits that they were abducting and murdering people for sacrificial rituals. Oh, shit. They believe that the sacrifices would ensure strength, abundance, and immunity from law enforcement and injury. What the fuck? Basically, it would help them in their drug smuggling operations. Like, Uh hey, if we fucking kill people, then we're going to be able to cross the border without getting searched or whatever, right? Oh, my God. With all our drugs. That's so much worse. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, a felony is probably a felony. They were going to get life in prison for whatever the fuck they were doing. True. But. Whoa. What had happened was. Tell me what had happened. Mark was waiting for Bill to finish peeing in the alley when a man in a red truck called out to him to offer him a ride. Mm-hmm. Mark goes up to the truck and then he's grabbed from behind by Ooh. two guys who was Serafin Garcia and Malio Fabio Ponce Torres. <laughs> <laughs> this four first name have a motherfucker. <laughs> So the guys force him into the truck, and since Mark was a pretty big guy, he was putting up a pretty good fight. Yeah. And about two blocks down the road, he was actually able to get out of the truck and take off running. Oh, shit. Unfortunately, the guys had some allies in another car who caught up to Mark and were able to force him into their vehicle at gunpoint. Oh, damn. This is like a whole fucking operation if they have allies that know what to do. Like, it's not like they had a cell phone to be like, yo, he got loose. No, exactly. These allies were like, oh, fuck. Like, gotta get this guy. Yep. So then once he was inside the second vehicle, the guys handcuffed him so he couldn't escape again. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a whole fucking operation. These motherfuckers have handcuffs. Damn. The kidnappers drove him around the back streets and farther from the main city into the outskirts. Mm -hmm. They go down a dirt road and buy some cornfields to this private ranch that they had found all this shit in, right? Yeah. The ranch is called Santa Elena. Okay. The kidnappers leave Mark in the car overnight And in the morning, the guy who owns the ranch sees Mark in the car and brings him bread, eggs, and water. Oh, that's nice. But he doesn't speak any English. So (laughs) Mark's probably like, hey, man, help. Can you get me the fuck out of here? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the guy's like, uh, no (laughs) say. He's like clinking his handcuffs. Uh, (laughs) Can you get me the fuck out of here, please? uh, Uh, I think they're handcuffed behind his back, but yes. Still. Yeah, he's probably like, I can't lift my hands. Like, can you feed it to me? Did he just, like, put the eggs and bread in his lap? Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) is he feeding it to him? Did he just, like, face into it? I don't know. Oh, God. So, I mentioned that the kidnappers slash crime organization slash cult apparently had a leader named Adolfo, right? Yeah. Well, he came out to the ranch, and he ordered his guys to duct tape Mark's face and mouth and lead him into a storage cabin. Oy. His hands were still handcuffed at this point, and that night, all the kidnappers tortured and <gasps> sodomized Mark. No! Why? What the fuck? That cannot be part of your Santeria ritual thing. I don't think so either. Yeah, that's just fucking weird. I don't necessarily know. I don't yeah, I practice guess I don't Santeria. I ain't got no uh. crystal ball. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Then Adolfo brought him out to a field, and he hit him in the back of the neck with a machete, <gasps> killing him. <gasps> yeah. So he chopped his fucking neck. Yeah. Oh, my God. It sounds like it was an attempted beheading, but they <gasps> did not say that he was beheaded. Oh, gross. Just that he was hit in the back of the neck. Oh, gross. So. Oh, gross. Yeah. Oh. Here's where it gets real fucked up. That's so fucked up already. Yeah. Oh, gross. But listen. Dude, I'm just thinking of standing out in the middle of a field not knowing what's going to happen and then fucking chop. 
Well, after he was dead, they took out his brain and oh. they boiled it in an nganga, uh-huh. which, like I said, is the African cauldron that was used for like spells and shit. Yeah. And then to dispose of his body, they chopped off his legs above the knees so it would be easier to bury him. What the fuck? Why does that make it easier to bury? Just not as long of a hole? Yeah, I was going to say a smaller hole. Oh, okay. Probably. He could fold them up. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay. And then they inserted a wire into his spinal cord. Why? And buried him with the wire sticking out Why? of the dirt. Why? So that once he was completely decomposed, they would be able to pull out the bones and wear them as necklaces. What the fuck? Yeah. Hold up. These guys are fucking boiling brains and making people necklaces. What? Is the wire just a marker? I think so, but also it holds the bones together. Because oh. once he's decomposed, they're going to be all rickety and like separated, right? And if you put a wire in your spinal cord, oh, because your spinal cord's holding it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is fucking weird. At least that's how I took it, was that was why they did the wire thing. And then also to be like, there he is. I'm going to throw up because somebody literally was sitting there with, I'm assuming he, they chopped his head off. I would assume so. They're sitting there with a headless, legless body. You know how, this is a fucked up thought, but you know how on your hoodie, if you pull the string around the around the hood oh. of the hoodie and it fly, it comes out and yeah. you have to like thread it through again and it's a pain in the ass? Yeah. It cannot be easy to thread a fucking wire through some spinal cord. I wouldn't think so either. It's got to be like a practiced process. Like, like only moms can restring hoodies. Yes. Only fucking whatever, Alfonso can fucking <laughs> string spinal cords. Adolfo. It's like Adolf. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Well, we don't know if it was him. I was just picking a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. Also, like, what kind of wire is this? I would imagine that it has to be, like, a very thick wire to push it down and, like, continue on. Otherwise, it's just going to bend, right? Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. What is, like, bailing wire? That's so weird. Yeah, fucking gross, right? Oh, my God. Okay. And then do you think that there was just, like, fields of wire sticking out everywhere? Yes. <gasps> okay. I do. So, on April 11th, the police took Seraphin and the three other guys that they had arrested out to the ranch so that they could show them where Mark was buried. And the police forced the guys at gunpoint to dig up the graves of everyone they had buried there. Wow. And by the time they were finished, they had 15 bodies. Oh, my God. Including Mark, who was identified by his dental records. Oh, that's so sad. How long after had this been? Like, how far along decomposed was he? Was he a skeleton or were there, like, It's still... April 11th, and I think he was kidnapped, like, late March. Wow. Yeah, so I'm So not... he's still... He's still not bones. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some skin. Yeah. Okay. So all of the bodies that they found were male, and they had all been murdered within the last nine months. Holy shit. Yeah. That's some busy days. Fucking right? Guy and... got real good at stringing fucking spinal cords. <laughs> so weird yeah apparently most of the other people were actually rival drug dealers of adolfo okay and only three of the bodies were never identified oh that's sad yeah police also found 243 pounds of marijuana jesus christ that's a lot of marijuana that's a goddamn operation yeah 108 grams of cocaine Wow. I don't know how big a gram is i don't either so it sounds like a lot though 108 wow yeah (laughs) 108 cocaines, <laughs> 12 guns, including three submachine guns. Jesus. And there were 11 vehicles. Some of them had phones in them, which was like bougie as fuck in 1989. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they also found the Nganga, which had a human brain, a goat's head, mm. chicken feet, a turtle, 
a horseshoe, coins, herbs, and animal blood in it. What the fuck? I was kind of thinking for some reason that this cauldron thing, whatever it's called, was like the size of one of those like pestle and mortals. <laughs> yeah, like a small one. Yeah. No, no that like is a, a cauldron. It was like a fucking brain and sous vide pot. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Even bigger because there was two heads in there. There was yeah. brains and a head. Yeah. A goat's head. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what spell he was cooking up. Right. I guess safe passage through the borders for my fuck 243 pounds of marijuana. That is a high price. Yeah. For a spell. I mean, most of it's animals, which is still pretty fucked up. But also there's a whole fucking turtle in there. Yeah. What kind of turtle? Was it one of those little like red turtles or like red ear cider turtles? That's uh, a small turtle. Was it like a fucking tortoise? You're in Mexico. It's like a desert. I have so many questions. I know. Me too. I don't have a whole lot of answers. Okay. It had to be a tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gross. So on April 12th, the four guys that they had arrested were brought to the Mexican Federal Judicial Police Headquarters for a, quote, press conference. Oh, wow. Where the guys were brought out to a balcony in front of 250 journalists, and they were allowed to answer questions from the journalists. Ooh. Weird as fuck. Like, I'm intrigued. <laughs> like, usually the police officers are like, this is what we found. This is where we found it. Yeah. You can ask me questions. But yeah. these ones were like, hey, man. Did you fucking kill those people? You want to hear some shit? Come like, here. Yeah, directly to the people accused of wow. the killing. It's insane. That is insane. Seraphin's uncle, Elios, said that he was an ordained executioner <gasps> under Adolfo, but that Mark was killed by Adolfo and not by him. But, like, he admitted to killing people, right? Okay, yes. Elio also showed off his scars that were given to him to signify that he had authority to perform human sacrifice. You get scars for that? I guess so. It was like a, I guess they were shaped like arrows. Oh. And they had been made with a hot blade on his shoulders, back, arms, and chest. That's fucking weird. It's super weird. Oh my God. Like, what a strange fucking ritual. Yes. But I guess it's like, you know, Russian mob, yeah. mafia or whatever. Like they get tattoos to signify what position they're in or what rank they're in. And Is stuff. that the stars on like their knees or some yeah. shit? Or am I just thinking of Boondock Saints? <laughs> um... I don't know. I watched one documentary one time about the kneecap things. Uh-huh. So probably that. Okay. <laughs> it's probably super accurate according yeah. to my memory. All right. I like it. <laughs> we know shit. Yeah. But these guys did fucking scars because they're way more intense than tattoos. Whoa. So when Mark's parents found out that he had been murdered, Mark's dad actually said that he forgave the murderers and wasn't angry. He even said that he hoped that they went to heaven so that they could see his son and apologize to him for it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because these are, like, good religious people who just want the fucking best in everyone, right? That's so sad. Yeah. And sweet? I don't know. Yeah. Bittersweet? Yeah. Bittersweet. That's a good word. Two weeks after the bodies were exhumed from the ranch, the Mexican police went back with a curandero, which is, like, a healer, Mm -hmm. to purify the shack where the murders were committed. Wow. And then they burned it down. Smart. Sage that shit. (laughs) I mean, there's no evidence anymore. Like, they just burned down the whole fucking crime scene. But do they need evidence? Oh, I guess you're going to go towards that, huh? (laughs) I'm like, they fucking dug up the bodies. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't really go too far into it, but it's just not fucking protocol. Okay, I get it. Yeah, you shouldn't burn down a crime scene. At least not until the trials and shit are done, you know? A lot of people will, like, demolish things in neighborhoods, like, get rid of that house and build a new one because, like, the Charles Manson mansion, Sharon Tate's mansion or whatever, you know? Yeah. You don't want to live in a house where a murder was committed. I get it. I get it. But also, maybe wait. This is two weeks after they were all found. True. There might be some shit missing in the fucking floorboards. True. So they put a wooden cross above the ashes of this shack. 
And like I said, there was no official reason for them to burn the shack down, but mm-hmm. locals said that it was because the place would be haunted and have bad spirits. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. Bad juju for sure. However, mm-hmm. the Mexican police said that they did it to piss off Adolfo since they hadn't caught him yet, which apparently it did. Once he oh. found out that his Nganga had been destroyed, <gasps> he apparently flew into a rage because he believed that his powers would be diminished because his fucking cauldron was broken or whatever, right? Oh, shit. So, as for Adolfo, after his guys were arrested, he fled to McAllen, Texas, Mm -hmm. and then flew to Mexico City, where he had an apartment. Okay. I feel like all of those things that he just did would make him very easy to track. Flying? Yeah, and crossing borders and shit. Yeah, but it's 1989. Yeah. So, maybe? 19. 19. 1989. (laughs) So, he was with Sarah, his second in command. Uh Uh-huh. And three other men, Martin Rodriguez. Martin! (laughs) That's literally what I thought every time I wrote it. (laughs) And I didn't know how to make the accent over the I when I was typing. So I typed it out like E-E-E-E-E-N so that I would know it's Martin, not Martin. (laughs) Smart. That's actually very smart. (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) He was also with Omar Okoa and Alvaro de Leon Valdez. Crushed it. Thank you. There was a manhunt out for all these people from both the U.S. and the Mexican authorities. Mm-hmm. And they raid Sarah's house and they find an altar. Ooh. And they said that inside of the house was covered in blood. Oh, God. Yeah. <gasps> so police eventually realized that the killings were pretty similar to some murders that happened in Mexico City in previous years. Oh, shit. And so they're thinking that these people, like, fucking popped around couple just, operations going yeah, on here. like doing the same thing, just moving places, right? What for, though? Just for safe passage of drugs? Like, it's so weird. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you saw Scarface. They get fucking crazy with power and stuff. Yeah, Maybe it was drugs. one of those. Like, let's just fucking keep doing it. Yeah. Side note, I don't think I mentioned it, but I listened to a podcast on this one, too, and they were saying that this guy, Adolfo, would want, like, a human sacrifice or whatever, and there was one where I think the guy died before he was sacrificed Uh or like they accidentally killed him Uh and it was like fuck we needed that during the sacrifice not during like an accidental killing or whatever yeah not at 3 p.m yeah and so adolfo got pissed and was like bring me the next person that you see i'm gonna fucking sacrifice that person i don't give a fuck who it is the next person that you see the next male that you see and so then they bring him someone and he has like a bag over his head or whatever and adolfo just fucking like chops his head off or whatever oh sacrifices him and then pulls off the bag, and it was his nephew. <gasps> his, oh, my like, God. His, 14-year-old nephew or something Oh, like my that. God. Was he, like, pissed? Oh, yeah, he was pretty pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's awful. Yeah. That's why you don't do that kind of shit. Yeah. I did not write that one down, so don't quote me on it. But yeah. But I know that he killed his nephew, like, unknowingly at one point. Oh. not fucked up? Fuck. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. And so then he was like, I want a fucking white person like yeah make it obvious that it's not my family yeah bring me a gringo and they did and that was mark oh i'm like 90 percent sure (laughs) (laughs) from the parts that i didn't write down because this one was starting to get long and i was like i don't need to mention all that yeah i'll just speak to it yeah (laughs) so the police are going to mexico city now right because they fucking think that they know where adolfo is and they speak with the local witchcraft and Santeria people who said that Adolfo was probably hiding out in, did not practice how to say this one. You're going to crush it. Cuadamoc? Cuadamoc. Cuadamoc. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in Mexico City. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they went to check out that neighborhood. 
And eventually, they saw a man at a supermarket trying to buy a ton of groceries with U.S. bills. Uh-huh. And they were like, that's fucking weird on account of you're in Mexico. Yeah. So they follow him. And after a few days, they realized that he was actually Alvaro, who had fled with Adolfo. Oh. And he had been buying groceries for Adolfo. Interesting. On May 6th, the police surround the apartment complex that they were staying in. And they were preparing to raid it. But a black vehicle pulls up in front of the complex. Oh. So the police go over to be like, hey, fucking move along. Like, we're trying to do some shit right here, right? A little diversion, huh? Yeah. And so Adolfo sees the police go over and talk to these this fucking car from uh, his window or whatever. Yeah. And he opens fire on them <gasps> oh, from shit. his window. Oh, shit. He threw some gold coins and cash from his window. Okay. And he burned some money on his stove saying that no one was going to have his money. Okay. <laughs> this guy's fucking insane. Like, he lost his mind. Yeah. Sounds like it. And then when he ran out of ammo, he realized that he didn't want to go to prison. And so he ordered Alvaro to kill him and <gasps> Martine before killing himself. Oh, shit. So. Suicide. Mission. Yeah. yeah. At first, Alvaro was like, what the fuck, man? Like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And Adolfo was like, no, you fucking have to. This is an order. And he hits him. And he tells him that he'll make sure that he suffers in hell if he doesn't do what he says. Like, oh if you don't God. kill me, I'm going to make sure you fucking suffer in hell. Yeah. Which, um, isn't that the point of hell? Yeah. But I digress. Okay. <laughs> so Adolfo hugs Martine and Alvaro, and then Alvaro shoots them both dead with a machine gun. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's better than machete. I thought this was going machete. Ooh, that'd be Because I thought he was gun. out of ammo. Maybe he was. Oh, okay. But <laughs> Alvaro wasn't, and he wasn't like, can I borrow your gun? <laughs> yeah. Can I use that? Hey, man, are you going to help or what? <laughs> you just standing there. Yeah. You see I'm fucking busy over here? <laughs> help out, man. Fucking doing something. <laughs> So then Sarah runs from the apartment as the police are coming up the stairs and she's yelling that Adolfo is dead. Yeah. She's arrested along with Alvaro and three others. But Alvaro claims that he was present during the murders, but that Adolfo was the one that actually murdered people. And Sarah said that she had no idea that people were being murdered until she saw it on TV and that she was barely going through the initiation of the cult. Oh, shit. And that she was being held hostage at this apartment. Oh, shit. But she was like his second in command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now she's saying like, oh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, nope. I was being held hostage. I had nothing to do with this shit. I didn't even know they were murdering people. What? They're murdering? Yeah. <laughs> Not my Adolfo. As there's like brains on the stove. Yeah. And her fucking apartment was yeah. covered in blood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Come on. So then in August of 1990, Alvaro was sentenced to 30 years for killing Adolfo and Martine because they couldn't pin him on any other murders. Okay. That's and not very long. No. And Sarah was sentenced to 62 years in prison. Whoa. Seraphin, Elio, and two others were given 67 years. Okay. The charges were multiple homicide, possession of narcotics, involvement in organized crime, police impersonation, body desecration. Jesus. Illegal possession of firearms, illegal possession of weapons exclusive to the Mexican armed forces. So like those submachine guns, yeah. apparently you're not allowed to own those. Not allowed to have that. Oh, my God, and they only got 60-something years for all of those charges. Yeah, the guys got 67 years, and Sarah got, what did I say, 62 years? Yeah. Yeah. She got five years less than the other guys because she wasn't charged with the illegal possession of weapons exclusive to the MAF. Oh, it's only a I don't know if they charge. call themselves the MAF, but that's what I wrote. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so Sarah has since written a book detailing how she met Adolfo and became involved in the cult and her alleged torture at his hands. She also claimed that very high-profile people had been involved in the organization, 
But that since Adolfo was dead, there was no proof, and now these people are all covering it up. Wow. I know that this one's super fucking long, and I've just told you a whole goddamn novel. Uh-huh. But it's like barely scratching the surface of it. That's there is crazy. so much more information on this that I left out. Yeah. That's just like... Like this is just how they got found out. You're not even talking about all their other crimes and the other 15 people they found Exactly. Buried, plus yeah. whatever we don't know about from those other fucking murder houses. Well, and like I said... Like in the beginning, there were 60-something people missing from the beginning of the month. Yeah. Or from the beginning of the year. They were busy. Yeah. Jesus. And that's not to say that they killed all 60 people, but, but also still. like that's 60 people that are unaccounted for in this place where this fucking giant crime ring or whatever is taking place. Yeah. Operating and sacrificing people. Yeah. A little fucked up. Super fucked up. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't it? Oh, shit. I want to listen to like a... Uh, you know a some, real podcast on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah where they like dive into all of it you yeah know? it's actually really good you should oh man that's a crazy story all right stacy give me what you got all right well to make up for your really long one mine's not as long okay <laughs> future aaron thanks you yeah you're welcome <laughs> so today's case is about anna marie fitzpatrick all right in 2012 in york county pennsylvania I wrote this like such a douche. Lived Anna Marie Fitzpatrick, who was 43, and her husband, 39-year-old Joseph Fitzpatrick III. Ooh, the third. Like, why was I so formal? <laughs> right. Let me paint the picture in 2012. <laughs> you know when you get, like, real into writing it, actually, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm not going to ever say, like... Moreover, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Moreover, it's, on this account, it's because you start writing it like you're writing a paper, and you're like, wait, I'm just doing speaking points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so this couple, they lived on a 30-acre property in Chansford Township, and they had a creek that ran through their property. They had a creek? They had a creek, and it was called Muddy Creek. Oh, <laughs> gross. Very unique and creative name. <laughs> well, that creek's pretty muddy. Yeah, let's call it Muddy Creek. <laughs> oh, down by Muddy Creek? Yeah, get on down there. Meow, 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 meow. That's really good. Thank you. I'm married to a mumbler. You are. Okay, on June 6, 2012, Joseph calls 911 because Uh his wife is unresponsive. Uh Uh-oh. Because they had just both gotten into an ATV accident on their property. He said the couple were having dinner outside on their property at like a picnic table or Mm -hmm. some shit somewhere on their land, 30 acres. That's a lot of fucking land to have. That's pretty cool. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I want that. Yeah, I'm just going to go take an ATV out and have a fucking picnic in the middle of nowhere on my property. Yeah, you want to hang out and have a date day? Yeah. Like, yeah, I do. That sounds awesome. That sounds pretty fun. All right. So that's what they were doing. They were having a little picnic. And afterwards, they decided to go riding on their ATVs. He says that Anne Marie was driving the ATV and Joseph was riding bitch, <laughs> is what I wrote. <laughs> and they somehow got into an accident and ended up crashing the ATV into the creek. And now Anne Marie was not responsive. Uh oh. That's not good. So he had to like drag her out. She's laying on the side of the fucking creek bank yeah and he has to call 911 oh man that sucks yeah yeah i wonder what happened (laughs) i'm sure he'll tell me (laughs) i'm gonna tell you (laughs) like such a lovely date day ruined yeah the emts arrive and they find that Marie is laying unconscious on the shoreline of muddy creek and when they examine her closer they find that she has no pulse oh no so they begin resuscitation and they were able to regain her heartbeat again wow and they transport her to the hospital yeah did you know that like only three percent of fucking cpr patients actually come back or some shit okay pause because i'm gonna tell you a crazy ass story about my next door neighbor she fucking had a heart attack and didn't have a pulse and my dad did cpr on her until the emts got there and 
the EMTs then took over and took her to the hospital and she fucking lived. That's crazy. Like totally no, like no damage whatsoever. I mean, obviously she was in the hospital for a long time. Yeah. But my mom just happened to be over at her house when she had the heart attack. Oh my God. And my dad was doing CPR on her ass forever. Jesus. Like, you know, it feels like forever. Yeah. It's so crazy. That's crazy. Anyway, so that's nuts. 3%. Yeah. She lived. If I ever get in any kind of situation, I want like you or your dad to be there. I know. I, my dad has done CPR on so many fucking people. I know. I've heard that about him. Well, his fucking nickname is Doc. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like, I feel safe knowing that he could at least be like, hey, you guys do this to her now. Like, <laughs> Legit when my son busted his forehead open, which is my goddamn that you guys didn't get to hear because that was like episode 52 that forever got lost mm-hmm. because of the hard drive. <laughs> I called my parents over to come watch my youngest son so I could take my oldest one with the busted forehead into the ER. And I was just like, dad, do you want to stitch it up real quick? Like, can we save a medical pill? Right. Because you got it. Can you bring the fucking stair strips and fucking butterfly stitch that shit? Like, what's going on here? Do I have to go in? (laughs) Your dad's like, get in the fucking hospital. That's exactly what he said. He's like, you should take him in. (laughs) He hit his head. (laughs) All right. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, that's crazy. 3%, huh? Yeah. Well, they got her heart rate back and they take her to the hospital. And shortly after arriving at the hospital, she was pronounced dead. Oh, no. Sorry to ruin the story for everybody. Well, she almost made it. See, 3%. Yeah, that's She wasn't one of the lucky ones. Yeah, that's really sad. Uh, Her family is obviously devastated, and they began to make funeral arrangements, and they had her body sent to the mortician for embalming, like, right away. Yeah. Now, two days after her death, Anne-Marie's co-worker, Rebecca Berry, calls the Pennsylvania State Police because her and some fellow co-workers had made a disturbing discovery. Uh Uh-oh. While, I guess while Rebecca was cleaning out Anne-Marie's desk, they came across her day planner. Mm-hmm. And in her planner, they found a note written by Anne-Marie, which read, quote, if something happens to me, dash, Joe. And then Joe was written in all caps. What? Hmm. First of all, hmm. I'm going to leave those fucking notes everywhere and be like, if something <laughs> happens to me, dash, Carlos. <laughs> I don't even know a Carlos. You're so fucked up. <laughs> I'm going to be over here like a detective like, oh, Carlos and Marcus. Do you think it means something? It means something. I'll just come back and haunt your ass and be like, I was just kidding. <laughs> That's all just to throw you off. While I'm like rearranging all the letters and the names to be like, it spells something. Yeah. And like, no, I was fucking with you, man. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So they find this disturbing note, right? Yeah. She had even signed it. Like after she wrote that shit, she signed it. Fucking A. Fitzpatrick. Jesus. And, and Joe was, is her husband, right? Joe is her husband, yeah. Uh-oh. And it was dated June 6, 2012, the day she fucking died. Oh, my God. What? What? That's crazy. Like, she had gone to work, wrote this note, went home, had dinner at a picnic bench, whatever, in her property, rode some ATVs, died. If I was afraid that Brandon was going to kill me, I don't think I would be like, do you want to go ride ATVs to the middle of nowhere on our property and have a picnic? I know. Or if he suggested it, I'd be like, well, no. no thank you. Because... You're a dick. Well, you don't know if she really wanted to go there or not. That's fair. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Or if they even really had dinner out there. Yeah. You don't know. God damn. Rebecca, Anne-Marie's co-worker, was also granted access to her email account. Mm-hmm. And she made another discovery that was super suspicious. She found that an email had been sent out from Anne-Marie's work email to her personal email and the subject read, quote, if something happens to me. What the fuck, man? Right? This girl is leaving a fucking paper trail. That's insane. This is so insane. The body of the email said, quote, Joe and I are having marital problems. Last night, we almost had an accident where a huge log fell on me. Joe was on the pile with a log and had me untying a tarp directly below it, end quote. And this email was sent June 6, 2012 at 1030 a.m. 
Okay. So she's like, this is a suspicious accident. Yeah, that almost happened the night before she died. Mm-hmm. They're all fucking, I don't know what they're doing on top of these logs. And then she's untying a tarp below him. And he's like, oh, go untie that. Whoopsie. And it almost hit her. That's insane. Yeah. So she's like, uh, I'm going to fucking leave this somewhere so somebody knows I think he's trying to off me. Oh, my God. So with this little bit of evidence, the police call in Joe to, like, interview him, right? Yeah. And they ask him what happened that night. And he explains that they went for a ride on the ATV. She was driving. And they crashed into the creek. And police never mentioned to him that they know, like, they found these notes or anything. They're just like, tell us what happened, right? Yeah. On June 9th, the police order an autopsy to be performed on Anne Marie. And this is now two to three days after her death. And mm-hmm. she had been embalmed already. Embalmed, yeah. And the forensic pathologist determined that her cause of death was drowning. But the forensic pathologist, for some reason, was never asked to define the manner of death. But she did state that the circumstances looked suspicious. So, so she like, wasn't asked to say it was a homicide or not. Exactly. But like it was ruled an accident and that she died. And then they do an autopsy on her and she's like, oh, she definitely died from drowning. And it looks like suspicious circumstances, but it's never defied homicide, right? Okay. So police are clearly now looking at Anne-Marie's death as a homicide. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is fucking suspicious. Yeah. And not an accident. And they begin to dig into Joe's history to see, like, what's this little guy all about? Yeah. They confiscate Joe's and Anne-Marie's phone, and they find incriminating messages proving that he had been having a non-sexual affair with a woman by the name of Jessica Gorge. Is it an affair if it's non-sexual? I know. I was like, that's kind of weird that they the, every article specified that they were not boning. Like, just so you know, it was like an emotional affair. <laughs> okay. I don't know why, but okay. And in these messages, he had said that he was planning on leaving Anne-Marie for oh. Jessica. And I'm not sure if these are messages between Anne-Marie and Joe. If he's yeah. like, I'm going to leave you for Jessica. And she's like, fuck you. Or yeah. if these are messages on Joe's phone to Jessica. To Jessica yeah. saying like, hey, I'm going to leave my wife for you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so when the the police go and they confront Joe with this new knowledge, like, hey, we know you're having an affair. What the fuck? Why didn't you mention this to me? Yeah. And he admits like, yeah, it's true. We were having an affair. I wanted to like break up with my wife or whatever or leave her. And I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to look suspicious. And he even admits that he went as far as to try to hide the phones from the police because – he knew that they were going to be digging, so he, like, went and tried to make it hard to find the phones. Yeah. And obviously the police got that fucking information and shit. Yeah, because of the police. But fucking Joe over here is like, no, I was trying to keep that from you. Like, I was trying to keep my affair from you because I knew you would think it was suspicious, and I even tried to hide my phone so that you wouldn't find out about the affair. Mm-hmm. Real fucking shady. Yeah. They also discovered Joe had taken out a new life insurance policy on Anne Marie oh, for $1.7 million. Jesus. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So you're getting some fucking motivation here. Yeah. The police also do a search on Joe's computer and check out his Google history. Everybody's fucking worst nightmare. <laughs> Pornhub, <laughs> Pornhub, Pornhub, how to stage a murder. <laughs> eh, Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> They find two very interesting searches, which were made around the time that Amory died. Mm-hmm. The first search was conducted on June 1st, and it was, quote, life insurance review during contestability period. I had to Google all those words. Like what conte- <laughs> yeah, contestability period means. Yeah. And now I'm on a fucking list because I probably just Googled the exact same thing he Googled. <laughs> yeah. And life insurance contestability period is a short window when insurance companies can investigate and deny claims. 
Okay, yeah. So, like, you die, and they're like, behold up, before we pay you. Like, was that a murder, though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His second Google search, which was made on June 5th, the day before she died, was, quote, polygraph legal in which states, end quote. Polygraph? Yeah, polygraph. Oh. Yeah. So he's like, uh, if I get pinned with this, if they question me, and I, if I have to take a polygraph about what happened that night, hmm. is it legal in my state? Like, can I deny it? Because uh-huh. he's mm. plotting a fucking murder right now. Jesus. So with the motive clearly defined, with the notes and the email and the Google search and all this other fucking evidence and shit, on top of the heavy suspicion that his explanation of the accident doesn't quite add up. Yeah. Because, like, how were you both in the accident and only she was injured? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you have bail out at the last second? Yeah, you're not injured at all and she's, like, all beat up in fucking... And also she drowned? Yeah. Like, you're not going to drown if you got her out of the fucking creek real quick yeah why didn't you go in there right away like how fucking long did it take it's not like she flew off into the creek it yeah. just doesn't add up. and you're not injured yeah so you could like i don't know get up and be like whoa that was crazy oh shit are you okay yeah is yeah. your face in the water let yeah. me take it out for you so you could breathe with your lungs yeah so make- you don't drown <laughs> your life continue yeah so with all of this information right yeah the police now can arrest joseph for the murder of his wife Oof. so they do good well, i just called him by his real fucking god-given name <laughs> Note that this his arrest was in March of 2014. So this is almost two years after she died. Damn. They were doing all this investigation. It took two years. To fucking look at Google search histories? I guess. Well, I mean, I'm sure they didn't sus- uh, I don't know. Maybe it takes a long time to get warrants. I was going to say, I'm sure they didn't suspect him right away, but they did. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it takes that long to get warrants. I don't know. Maybe. I don't fucking, know. Fucking- I'm not a police officer. The legal system here sucks. <laughs> All right, so prosecutors are essentially going to court with only circumstantial evidence with the note uh, in Anne-Marie's day planner and her self-sent email being, like, the key piece of evidence. Yeah. And they claim that he forced her into the creek. Their whole thing, their whole, like, painting the picture of what happened to her, right? Yeah. They're saying that he forced her into the creek and drowned her and staged it to look like the ATV had an accident. Okay. So they're saying, you just fucking killed her in the creek and... And you're trying to make it look like... An yeah. accident. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't driving. You just like threw the ATV in and was like, oh, no, look what happened. Ugh. Oh, that's got to be horrifying for her. Uh, Yeah. To be like, I'm sure it was a fight to get out there. Yeah. It's not like you willingly walk out there. Yeah. And if you know your, your fucking spouse is trying to kill you. Yeah. And if you know your marriage is in shambles, you're not like, let's go fishing or let's go hang out. You're like, fuck you. Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. Okay. So they go to court with all this shit, right? And he's found guilty of her murder in May 2015 and given life with good. no parole. Fuck that guy. Very good. Then. Oh, God. In September 2015, his conviction is overturned. <gasps> what? Yes. Because it was found that the prosecution failed to prove that Anne-Marie's death was actually an unlawful death. Remember how I said the medical examiner or whatever never said, like, it was homicide or anything? Yeah. So they failed to prove that she was killed that it was a homicide that needed to be looked into exactly not an accident what and so joe was free oh my god from prison oh my god but only for a few hours oh thank god i was like (laughs) is he still free (laughs) the da got an emergency stay on the case and in april 2017 the superior court actually reinstated the life sentence because they were like nah motherfucker yeah you did this shit yeah like, we'll go back and fucking rule that shit a homicide on account of all of the other evidence. Yeah, that it's a fucking homicide. Yeah. So, you know, yay, court system. Yeah. It worked. Yay. It worked. 
Well, immediately, Joseph and his lawyers file for an appeal claiming that those two pieces of evidence, the email and her note in her day planner, Mm -hmm. they claim that those were two key pieces of evidence in convicting him, but they shouldn't have been admissible to the case because they were, quote, hearsay. Hmm. Which I guess you're not allowed to admit hearsay, obviously. Yeah. For evidence. Well, I mean, yeah, it's hearsay, but it's hearsay from the person who was murdered saying like, hey, this person's being fucking suspicious. Uh, It's fucking blatantly written out that she thought she was going to get murdered by her husband and then he murdered her. (laughs) I mean, at that point, wouldn't like a request for a restraining order be hearsay? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Ugh, so stupid. Okay. So the prosecutors never deny that the evidence was hearsay because I guess literally it's hearsay what you were just saying yeah but it was still admissible because of the legal state of mind act so i guess the legal state of mind act means that it is critical in establishing the victim's then existing belief or state of mind Mm -hmm. like i guess if it proves that then the hearsay is evidence yeah the courts end up ruling that the email that she wrote was considered uh hearsay so it shouldn't have been admissible Mm -hmm. but that because of that state of mind act there was an exception that should be applied to the note because it showed that Anne-Marie's state of mind was that Joseph had some, quote, ill will towards her. Oh, okay. And thus implying that the marriage wasn't going well. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of evidence. Like, see, look, you're not having a great marriage because she thinks you're going to kill her. That gives you a state of mind, like her state of mind. It's not just hearsay. She's not just gossiping. It proves to you, it proves that you guys were having a bad marriage and she was afraid of you. Well, and it's not even like she didn't fucking email it to her bestie in like a, I just want to vent or bitch or whatever. Like she emailed it to herself, which to me is a little bit more like real. Oh, I agree. And then to me, I'm like, okay, the body of the... Okay, let me just explain this real quick. Okay. Evidently, the email didn't relate to her state of mind, which is why it got, like, excluded, right? Like, shouldn't have been allowed in the case. Yeah. It didn't relate to her state of mind that she thought that he was going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And instead, it was just recounting an incident where she almost got hit by a log. That was their argument. Like, but the fucking title of the email was, if something happens to me. Yeah. And then something did. Yeah, like, so be fucking specific if you're going to leave fucking paper trails. Be like, if I die. I guess. It was this person. Yeah, yeah. Because that's fucking mind-blowing to me. Like, I get the body of the email is technically just telling a story, but the title is, if something happens to me, how is that hearsay? Yeah, that's like, hey, I need you to pay attention on account of things are happening. My state of mind is that I think he's going to do something to me because this log almost fell on me. Yeah, (laughs) and she wrote it in her fucking day planner. Yeah, either way. So... You know, Joe's appealing, saying, I shouldn't have life with no parole. I shouldn't have been convicted because this evidence was key in convicting me, and I don't think that it should have been admissible. Well, listen, fucking deal. Pussy pants. Yeah. Put on your fucking big britches. Yeah. And suck it up. All right, sprinkle tits. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Got to use it. Yeah, so, and then they're looking at it, and they're like, you know what? Email shouldn't have been allowed, but that note is pretty fucking incriminating. Yeah. Okay, so the courts agree, right? Yeah. But the courts are saying, like, even though some shit made it into your case that technically shouldn't have, it was a harmless oversight. It wasn't going to affect the outcome, basically. Exactly. Like, all all the other evidence against Joe was enough to (laughs) convict him and that this wasn't, like, key evidence that fucking nail in the coffin. Yeah. So they're like, fuck you and your appeal. Deal with it. Yeah. Sprinkle tits. (laughs) So that's the end of that. He's still in prison. He's still got life with no parole. Good. Justice was served. Fuck that guy. Here's the thing. Anne-Marie and Joe had two daughters together. 
And at his sentencing in 2017, the oldest daughter, Emily, who was 16 at the time, mm-hmm. she said something along the lines that, like, her life was so lonely and miserable without her mom, and since she died, Aww. everything's been fucking shit, right? Yeah. And she didn't initially believe that her dad had killed her mom, but after sitting in all the fucking case shit, she now believes that he murdered her. Like, they convinced his own daughter Jeez. that he did this shit. That's crazy. That is crazy. And their youngest daughter, who was 14 at the time, still believed that her dad was innocent. Oh, that's that's so so sad. sad. Oh, my God. That's so fucked up. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with people? If you have kids, don't kill your fucking kid's mom or dad. I mean, just don't kill people. Yeah, that's true. That's you. (sighs) But also, like, when there's kids involved, it makes it so much fucking worse. Oh, God. You're, like, taking away something from your your fucking kids. Yeah. That's awful. So jacked up. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, that's my story. Nice one. All right. Well, since we're here, let's do some more Patreon shout outs. Do it. To our amazing Patreon people. Let's do it. We fucking love you guys. If you want to join Patreon, go to our website, isgpodcast.com. Click on Patreon. It'll take you to the link. You can come fucking join us for as little as a dollar. You can get an extra episode where we each fucking once a month take turns telling stories to each other. Yep. You get the gist. You understand what Patreon is. Yeah. And what episodes are. Join us. (laughs) Join us. It's fun. It is fun. I have fun. I love it. We have fun. You're having fun, aren't you? This is a good time, goddammit. <laughs> okay, so shout out to Kayla, Abigail, Katie, Brittany, and Lisa. What? Thanks, everybody. I always feel bad not giving the last name shout outs because literally every name I just shouted out is the most fucking common name ever. Right. But you know it's you. Like, is that, is that what I mean? Yeah. It's you. <laughs> like, it's you, many- Abby. Yeah. You probably go by Abby. Maybe probably. go by Gail. I Maybe don't know. Abs. Maybe Abs. <laughs> Maybe A Gail. But like Katie, Brittany, Lisa, those are all so common. Yeah, it's true. At least they were in our generation. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we're getting Patreon people that are like part of our generation. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Sarah, Brittany, Tiffany? Yeah. <laughs> Stacy, Aaron. Yeah. We fucking love you all so much. You're beautiful souls. Absolutely. We appreciate you more than you will ever know. This is very true. Yes. You're amazing. Thank you. Also, if you want to go to our website, isgdpodcast.com, there's also links to our merch on there, and you can see pictures pertaining to our cases. Yeah. You can email us at isgdpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us case suggestions or just drop in and say, hey, what's up, baby? Yeah. Um, you can reach us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at isgdpodcast, or the P.O. Box at 2764 Spring Valley, California, 91979. Write Aaron some snail mail. Write me some snail mail. Give her give her a reason to go to that P.O. box. Yeah, I just went and all I had was coupons for McDonald's. And I was like, hell yeah. Ooh, go and get that. <laughs> <laughs> but also, dang. Yeah. <laughs> we need letters. Also, subscribe, rate, and review. Por oh, yeah. favor. Yeah, that'd be a good one. We love those reviews. Hell yeah. Go tell your friends. We have a goal to hit. We got to like fucking increase our listeners double. It's going to be a lot of work, but we're going to do it. Yeah, we're already in the second month here. Yeah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys and gals and dolphins. (laughs) Bye. Bye. And if you're all caught up on our podcast, stay tuned for a promo from Three Men in a Mystery Podcast. I'm John Lorden. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Gray Hughes. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Three Men in a Mystery. Three Men in a Mystery is a long-form investigative and interactive true crime podcast featuring three social media true crime veterans. We take a deep dive into one case per season, 
focusing in on every detail to give you a complete picture. We work hard to bring you in-depth interviews with people related to the case and some of the best true crime experts in the country. We not only raise exposure to the cases we cover to help elicit tips, but also to honor the memory of the victims and recognize the struggles of their families. If you want to see certain evidence rather than just hear about it and join in on an active community discussion, head over to our YouTube channel, Three Men and a Mystery. Season one features the case of two teenagers tragically killed on their way home. After almost 20 years, charges have been filed and we will keep you updated on new developments. Season two features the story of a woman who died on her wedding day. Body cams, detective interviews, and family interviews will help us try to determine if she ended her own life or if it was a staged homicide. We currently have a 4.6 out of 5 star rating on Apple Podcasts and have been featured in Vulture Magazine. Some cases are just too big for one person to cover, so check out Three Men and a Mystery. Visit us online at www.3menandamystery.com, that's with the number three, or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. But most importantly, help us help others. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so you don't miss a single episode and become part of the Three Men and a Mystery community today. Today.